3: Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just eight ninety seven at The Home Depot. How doers get more done.
4: Previously on Queen of the Con. Jen Shaw's attorneys make the case to a federal judge that she's not the scammer everyone thinks she is, writing...
0: Ms. Shaw originally started to work in telemarketing on the legitimate and legal side of the business and was slowly drawn into working with a group of men who were committing fraud... These men recognized in Ms. Shaw a talent for organization, hard work, and relationship building, and they took advantage of her skills to further their own criminal ends. She
5: really did blame it on the bad crowd she fell in with in New York, but when you're married and have two kids, just upping and moving across the country to live there and being like, and then I fell in with a bad crowd, I just don't believe it. But her attorneys try again and again
4: to get the criminal case against her dismissed for the craziest reasons, like she couldn't read her Miranda rights.
6: Even while being read my rights, I did not fully understand what was going on. After I signed the waiver, even though I could not read it, but before Detective Bastos began his questioning, I informed the detective that my contact lenses were blurry.
4: A judge denies her motion to dismiss, and the federal case against her grows. It actually, it tied into another
7: investigation that we had, which is even spawning to additional investigations.
4: Then suddenly, Jen Shaw gets unceremoniously dumped by her legal
5: team. If you don't tell your attorneys the entire truth at the beginning, you are never going to get the result that you anticipate, and you're going to spend a lot of money doing it, The new attorneys Jen hires come out swinging and they want a federal judge
4: to force ABC News to turn over hundreds of hours of raw footage and all their notes they use to produce a documentary about Jen. Her attorneys think ABC News has evidence that can clear their client's name and every news organization in the country holds their collective breath. If
5: a federal judge grants this motion, it could open a Pandora's box. It's not how it's supposed to work, and there are protections in place for journalists. And that is why everyone's eyes are on this motion.
4: I'm Jonathan Walton, and this is Queen of the Con. The Unreal Housewife, Episode 6. Look, bitch, I'm doing you a favor.
8: When you think of The Real Housewives
4: of Salt Lake City, I'm sorry, it's the Jen Shaw Show.
9: Ain't no party like a Jen Shaw party, because a Jen Shaw party don't stop.
4: That's a clip from a Hulu documentary titled The Housewife and the Shaw Shocker, Produced by ABC News.
5: The whole time she was filming the show, law enforcement was investigating her. I don't know if she knew that she was going to be arrested that day.
4: ABC News even manages to snag an interview with our favorite Homeland Security Special Agent, Ricky Patel. She's accused of an elaborate fraud scheme. And when that Hulu documentary goes live on November 29th, 2021... The very next day, Jen Shaw's new legal team pounces, writing an angry letter to the federal judge in her case,
0: stating, In a documentary which was released yesterday by ABC News and is available for streaming worldwide, two supervisory agents with Homeland Security Investigations gave interviews about Ms. Shaw and opined on her involvement with the alleged scheme, her quote unquote lavish lifestyle and her alleged treatment of purported victims. Ms. Shaw respectfully requests that the court grant her leave to file a motion to dismiss the indictment. The government's conduct here has eradicated Ms. Shaw's right to a fair trial with an untainted jury pool. We respectfully submit this letter concerning the government's flagrant violation of Local Criminal Rule 23.1 by members of the prosecutorial team.
4: Local Criminal Rule 23.1 states, in part, quote, it is the duty of government agents not to release or authorize the release of non-public information or opinion in connection with pending criminal litigation. So because government agents like Ricky Patel with Homeland Security granted ABC News an interview, Jen Shaw's attorneys are now pushing really hard to get the entire criminal case against her dismissed on those grounds. But Special Agent Ricky Patel does not regret speaking publicly about the Gen Shaw case in that documentary at all.
7: This is why I'm taking the time to speak to you.
4: And I thank you
7: for actually putting this out there.
4: The more attention we give these complex scams, the less likely people are to fall for them. She did file a motion based on your participation in that ABC News Hulu documentary. She singled you out by name. That you gave this interview. How dare you compromise her ability to defend herself and, you know, impede her ability to get a, a fair trial and a jury that's not tainted by the documentary? I thought the documentary did a good job of portraying her at the time. They had her family say good things about her, they had supporters say good things about her. They presented both sides. I thought they did a good job. I agree.
7: When I was contacted, I did that based on a PSA type environment as well, right? Like, hey, we understand this happened. We know this arrest happened. We know this was involving a celebrity. And it was, hey, we would like to get the message out there. But at the end of the day, my motivation and my perception of that was really to say this could happen and it could be anybody that's behind it. And here's why we're doing that, right? So with that motion, I just found that to be, you have a film crew who follows you around on a regular basis, right? So for a documentary to be out there, and yes, they interviewed her family members and things like that. I didn't know any of that, to be completely frank, to be honest with you. I didn't know they were going to create a whole show or a whole series or a documentary on there. I was asked to, hey, would you like to speak about you know, how we can stop fraud and elder fraud and things of that nature? And of course, Jen Shaw came up, and of course, the investigation came up. And I spoke about what I can speak about, right? What is open, what is public, nothing that was sealed, nothing that was ongoing, but just what was out there.
4: So in response to Jen's attempt to get her case dismissed based on what government agents publicly said in that ABC News Hulu doc, prosecutors actually watched the documentary themselves and type up everything that was said by the government agents interviewed. And then they submit it to the judge. Arguing,
10: "Quotes: The defendant has not and cannot establish that she'll be prejudiced at the trial by the HSI official's comments in the Hulu show. Her appearance on television with one of her criminal defense attorneys, during which the defendant and her attorney discuss the pending charges and the circumstances.
4: The prosecutor is referring to this scene on Real Housewives, where Jen is meeting with her lawyer on camera.
6: Basically, it's
7: imminent that we have to go to trial because anything other than that, would be us saying we're guilty and taking a plea,
5: right? That's the only way to stop just go to trial.
4: The prosecutor continues.
10: Her efforts to garner publicity weigh heavily against the merits of any potential motion to dismiss. For the foregoing reasons, the motion should be denied. And a federal judge agrees, responding, quote. The agent's statements are largely statements about telemarketing fraud overall, with general references to the lifestyles of the persons involved and a Homeland Security investigation into telemarketing floors. Shaw's motion is denied in full.
4: But Jen Shaw's attorneys aren't giving up yet. On February 11th, 2022, in a bold move, they actually subpoena ABC News for all the raw footage and notes from that documentary. And they want all communications between ABC and the prosecution. They're looking for any kind of evidence they can find, anything anyone said or did behind the scenes of that Hulu doc that could potentially get their client off. But federal judge Sidney Stein cuts them off at the knees, writing.
10: The United States recognizes a journalist's privilege in light of the need to protect the public's interest in being informed by a vigorous, aggressive, and independent press. The journalist privilege is a qualified privilege that protects both confidential and non-confidential press materials from disclosure.
4: In layman's terms, Jen Shaw's lawyers will not be granted access to all the footage and the behind-the-scenes notes and communications from that ABC News doc. So the criminal case against Jen Shaw and her assistant, Stuart Smith, starts picking up speed as it heads for trial. Jen still swears she's innocent, But the federal government has a vast amount of hard evidence that clearly shows Jen Shaw masterminded these scammy telemarketing floors. She owned some, ran others, and sold victims' contact information to yet
5: other scammers she was working with for years. When you have her confronted by another government agency in a deposition questioning her about the business, and instead of stopping, she finds ways to be sneakier about it and keeps going. Former prosecutor and host of The Emily Show podcast, Emily D. Baker. That all happened after the FTC investigation. Yeah. In page three of the indictment, I'm going to read this portion...
4: Shaw and Smith concealed themselves, for example, Shaw and Smith among other things incorporated their business entities using third parties' names and instructed other participants to do the same, used and directed others to use encrypted messaging applications to communicate with other participants, instructed other participants to send Shaw and Smith's share of certain fraud proceeds to offshore bank accounts, and made numerous cash withdrawals structured to avoid currency transaction reporting requirements.
5: Concealment is a huge part of not getting caught, and we saw this in the text messages. Oh, the text messages. So, the day
4: Jen Shaw was arrested, her house was raided, and all her belongings were confiscated. And it soon became very clear that Jen Shaw was nothing more than a professional poser. She didn't own the house you saw her in on Housewives, the Shaw Ski Chalet. She was renting. Her cars were leased. A lot of her jewelry and the vast majority of her Fendi's and Louis Vuittons and her other high-end accoutrements were all fakes made in China. And then there's her confiscated cell phone, which according to her former personal designer, Koa Johnson, it wasn't just one.
11: All the cell phones I found in her
4: closet. She had a lot of cell phones?
11: Yes. Like how many? like at least maybe 10
4: she had 10 cell phones. Yes. They looked like burner phones. And when the government gets their hands on all those phones, the text messages they extract tell one hell of a story. For example, years earlier in 2018, when Jen Shaw is being investigated by the Federal Trade Commission, she finds out one of her victims actually recorded her company's telemarketing call and submitted it as evidence to the FTC. And she angrily texts her assistant, Stuart Smith.
6: I'm so fucking pissed off. This slimy piece of shit of a customer recorded our sales pitch. And we sound like crooks. Now they have our sales recording.
4: So this proves that as far back as 2018, Jen Shaw knew she was being investigated by the federal government for scamming people. And she went ahead and joined the cast of Real Housewives a year later in spite of that fact, knowing full well it could all blow up in her face and be televised. Then later in October of 2018, Jen's letting one of her co-conspirators stay at her New York apartment for a few weeks. And she suddenly flies off the handle when she finds out that this co-conspirator actually got questioned by federal investigators and mention Jen Shaw by name to them. When Jen hears that, she promptly fires off an angry text to this person saying,
6: Look, bitch, I'm doing you a favor. You aren't on the lease and you don't pay rent. Therefore, you don't live here. If someone is doing you a favor, you bring my name into a criminal federal prosecution case? My home is my place of refuge. They could come in with a warrant now at any time if they wanted to.
4: Again, this was a year before she got cast on Housewives. And later, when Jen Shaw's assistant, Stuart Smith, is scheduled to be questioned by investigators, she texts him.
6: Your go-to answer is, I don't know, or I don't remember. I don't know is best, though, because if you don't know, you don't know.
4: Most people who hear they're being investigated by the federal government would be scared and maybe stop what they're doing and reevaluate, But not Jen Shaw, because in a text message from all the way back in March of 2017, she writes to a co-conspirator,
6: I have gone to great lengths to keep everything confidential. I do not want anyone to know anything. They shouldn't be saying my name.
4: And then later, in December of 2017, she texts her assistant, Stuart Smith.
6: I flew to Palm Springs this morning and met with that guy and flew back. He will let us use his company in Cyprus to set up International. They have a 12,000 square foot facility in Cyprus and Kosovo. He was basically saying that they have the directors and nominees all set up already, and we could use their corporation setup. We have to do it and minimize the risk.
4: Like most con artists, Jen Shaw is overly confident. She thinks she's the smartest person in the room, and she really believes she can get away with anything. At this point, she lets all her partners in crime know that she wants to be paid in cash from now on. And interestingly enough, before the FTC investigation, Jen and her team of scammers were texting each other on a messaging app called Viber. Then... After she heard her companies were under investigation, she had everyone switch to an encrypted messaging app called Telegram, texting her assistant, Stuart Smith.
6: I told Crystal to download Telegram, and we'll have all the reps download Telegram as well. That way, we will have everyone delete their Viber accounts. I told Conan to delete the sales group in Viber that he set up.
4: And then suddenly, Jen Shaw quickly establishes an entirely new identity on Telegram instead of
8: using jennifer shaw or jen shaw her name on telegram was becky white she was becky with the good hair it was good hair because she was stealing it from all these elderly people
4: that's zach peter again from the no filter with zach peter podcast
8: so just because you call yourself becky and you collect your payments in cash doesn't mean you're actually innocent jen shaw we know who you are Becky with the good hair, soon to be Becky with the bad hair, because she's gonna be in prison and she's not gonna be able to get it blown out anymore. Becky White, of all the names to pick, she was probably like, okay, I have seniors on top of mine. Betty White's pretty great. Let's just call myself Becky White, because I love senior citizens so much.
4: I do think that was the calculus, absolutely. You come up with a name that will engender trust out of your mouth. Yeah, you're right. I think that played into her decision to choose that name.
8: I mean, You don't really look at Jen Shaw and see a Becky White, you know.
4: (laughs) But Jen Shaw, acutely aware now she's under federal investigation, just keeps thumbing her nose at authorities and continues scamming with her telemarketing companies. It almost feels like she's daring the feds to do something about it.
5: We found somebody to help us move things offshore and to move the business entities to Kosovo so we can run this for a long time. Former
4: prosecutor Emily D. Baker again, paraphrasing some of Jen Shaw's text
5: messages from court records. Evading detection is a big part of this. And we know that Jen Shaw started taking more evasive measures after the FTC started coming down on her. So she had already been deposed. She had already been part of businesses that were shut down. She knew that the government was looking at her and was like, you know what? I can do this better so that they don't come after us or they can't find the same evidence. We're gonna use encrypted messaging instead of text messaging. We're gonna make sure they can't get to the computers. She learned from the first time she was disposed what they found and how they shut those businesses down and took those lessons and got better at becoming evasive. You're not gonna be in a con game very long if you get caught off the bat. So having things offshore is very common having business entities, moving things around is very common. And that's why there was a money laundering charge here as well. And this is what upsets me the most is because
4: I call into question everything I think I know about the universe and people, right? When you hear her declaring her innocence all that time, you know, taking her mother's money to pay lawyers, I'm a woman of color. It's a prosecution. She seems so believable and she's so emphatic that she's innocent yet That is all an act because for years, court records show, she's doing all these things. She's evasive, she's hiding the money, encrypted apps, offshore companies, so she can't get caught. She knows it's wrong. It just makes me call into question
5: what anyone says because she's so believable, but it was all a lie. She is believable, but it's part of the game. Being believable is a huge part of the game here for her and keeping the people around her invested, you never know how you might be able to leverage the relationships around you, especially as you're getting ready for trial. You saw members of the cast show up in New York as she was getting ready to go to trial to support her, to be there for her. To support her! Yes.
4: Fellow Housewives castmate, Heather Gay, had Jen's back the entire time, as she tells Meredith Marks on this Real Housewives After Show episode.
6: We know and love Jen, love being around her so it's like it's a easy way just to show up and offer whatever we can
4: and it's like i want to shake them all and shake her it's like what a waste of time not only is she a deplorable human being for you know doing this to all these other people but ensnaring all the loving people in her life to support her who trusted her it's another crime Eventually, though, Jen Shaw's most trusted supporter and literal partner in crime, her assistant, Stuart Smith,
5: who himself is indicted along with Jen Shaw, turns on her. If I'm Stuart's attorney, the first thing I'm saying is, what do you know about her? What do you have to prove it? And she is immediately going to try to pin this on you and you need to get there first. But he also had the advantage of Jen speaking publicly saying... I'm innocent, I'm not doing this. So he knew she wasn't gonna just accept responsibility and they worked together so long, he has to know how she operates. And I don't think he trusted that she wouldn't try to pin this all on him. I think the second Stork got arrested, and this is all my opinion, but I think the second Stork got arrested, what he or his attorney said to federal prosecutors is, let me tell you everything I know about Jen Shaw. Because Jen's the one living the lavish lifestyle, not Stuart. Jen's the one on television saying, you know, he's out here making me money. Jen is the one portraying the lavish lifestyle and painting Stuart as the lackey. I think he used that to his advantage. In
4: November of 2021, Stuart Smith pleads guilty to three counts, conspiracy to commit wire fraud, money laundering, and obstruction of justice. He tells the judge, quote, I knowingly and intentionally discussed and
11: engaged with other individuals to develop a plan to obtain money by false representation by offering and inducing individuals, many of whom were over 50 years of age, to provide money to entities that I and others were
4: involved with. As part of his plea, Stewart agrees to help federal prosecutors build a stronger case, not just against Jen Shaw, but against the whole scammy telemarketing enchilada. It's early July 2023 now, and Stewart Smith still hasn't
5: been sentenced yet. I imagine he is still working with the feds to wrap this up, because after Stewart got arrested, another co-defendant got indicted, popped up and pled and was sentenced almost immediately. So I think Stuart is still working with the feds, and Stewart was the one closest to Jen and had the most to turn over. He didn't even go to pre-trials on this. His attorney said, no, no, we don't need any of these court hearings. No motion filing, nothing. They, based on all of the court filings, I think they immediately started working with prosecutors once he was arrested. And it's not only Stuart
4: Smith helping prosecutors build a stronger case against Jen Shaw.
11: So I did submit evidence to the federal government, quite a lot of evidence.
4: Jen's former designer, Koa Johnson, who, if you recall, Jen had stopped paying for months, was only too happy to turn over all the evidence he had to federal investigators, too. Like, what kinds of evidence are we talking
11: text messages conversations between her Stewart, her Stewart coach, her Stewart, my colleagues on the business, I saw some of my evidence in the last summaries that the state prosecutor submitted.
4: So with Stuart Smith pleading guilty and pointing the finger at Jen Shaw and with Koa Johnson and several others submitting even more evidence against her to prosecutors, All of a sudden, it feels like the universe is conspiring to take Jen Shaw down. If she goes to trial and is found guilty, she could be looking at decades behind bars. But the criminal justice system has a way of rewarding people for pleading guilty because it saves the government potentially millions of dollars in a lengthy trial. Though Jen Shaw is still swearing she's innocent and a trial date is set for July 18, 2022. But when her attorneys get a look at all the evidence from her former assistant, Stuart Smith, and from her former designer, Koa Johnson, and from the dozens of others who turned on her after months of claiming she's innocent and publicly implying she's being prosecuted because she's, quote, unquote, a woman of color, Jen Shaw suddenly changes her tune. On July 11th, 2022, a week before her trial is set to start, Jen Shaw stuns the world and pleads guilty, telling the court, quote,
6: From 2012 to March of 2021 in the Southern District of New York and elsewhere, I agreed with others to commit wire fraud. I knew this was wrong. I knew many people were harmed and I'm so sorry.
5: I am Shaw shocked that Jen Shaw pled guilty. Shocked, I tell you, shocked.
4: Former prosecutor Emily D. Baker on her popular YouTube show, The
5: Day Jen Shaw Pled Guilty. The judge still has control over sentencing. What is hard and fast is that Jen Shaw pled guilty and can't withdraw that guilty plea. That is it. The plea is entered. She pled guilty to one charge of conspiracy to commit wire fraud this charge carries up to 30 years, maximum sentence. What she will be sentenced to depends on the judge. What we know for sure is that she is going to forfeit $6.5 million to the government. That is the government taking your shit. That is what a forfeiture is. That can be bank accounts that were already seized. That can be cash that was taken out of her home during the search warrant. Then... There is a $9.5 million restitution agreement. Jen Shaw is said by the government to be one of the most culpable in this case. And because of that, prosecutors want the judge
4: to sentence her to 10 years in federal prison. In a brief to the
10: court, they write... The defendant was not deterred by the Federal Trade Commission's investigations or enforcement actions, nor by learning that dozens of her co-conspirators had been arrested by federal law enforcement and pled guilty for their roles in the scheme. She engaged in a years-long, comprehensive effort to hide her continued role in the scheme. Despite the defendant's best efforts, she got caught. She then went on a public offensive and tried to profit off the charges by selling Justice for Jen merchandise. She pled guilty at the 11th hour only after receiving the government's trial exhibits and witness statements. In light of her conduct and her post arrest behavior, her belated expressions of remorse ring hollow.
4: Federal Judge Sidney Stein has the latitude here to do whatever he wants. He could give her the maximum 30 years, or he could give her probation and no prison time at all. The ball's in his court. And Jen Shaw's lawyers know that. They think three years in prison is enough to teach Jen Shaw a lesson. In their sentencing memo to Judge Stein, they make a really creative case for leniency, writing.
0: Ms. Shaw's failure to plead guilty early in the investigation is not a reflection of her lack of remorse. Rather, it reflects the enormous shame and guilt she feels and the difficulty she has endured in admitting to all those who love and admire her she had committed this crime a mistake that has not only ruined her own life but has broken her heart as she has watched the damage that her actions have caused to the family that she loves so dearly
4: her lawyers then try to leverage jen shaw's childhood for sympathy
0: jen was so deeply affected by the ridicule she had to endure from her classmates because her physical appearance differed from the predominantly Caucasian community in Utah. Jen grew up as an outsider in a hostile and strange environment, a place that did not welcome strange children of color.
4: After Jen's lawyers finish pulling at every heartstring they can find, Jen Shaw herself writes to the judge. I'm posting a copy of her letter at Queen of the Con on Instagram, so you can read it in its entirety though there are a few redactions. Jen writes,
6: I accept complete responsibility for my bad conduct. The terrible business decisions I made and professional relationships I developed stemmed from some personal painful experiences that I was going through in my life. As a lawyer, my husband worked horrible hours, but at least he was able to bring his work home so he could be with the family. As a college football coach, he worked more hours a week. Traveled across the country for recruiting and was not allowed to leave the football facility until the wee hours of the morning. In 2016, my life hit a serious crossroads. At that time, I had been married for 22 years and my marriage began to significantly suffer. As a result of trying to balance his job, my job, raising our boys, and our community involvement, we grew apart and our marriage began to crumble. Things got so bad that we started talking about separation and divorce. I was so angry because I sacrificed so much to support my husband in reaching his education and career goals, and now it felt as if it were for nothing. He was never around. I was doing everything alone. My heart was completely broken, and I became sincerely scared to think about life without my husband.
4: Jen goes on to say that she was depressed about her marriage potentially ending, and she had sudden deaths in the family that also took an emotional toll on her. She writes, While
6: all of this was going on, the pressure was significant because my marriage was almost over. I needed money. I lost my grandmother in January 2018, whom I was very close with as she helped raise me. When I thought things couldn't get any worse, my entire world came crashing down when my father unexpectedly passed away on September 8th, 2018. My husband did not come to my father's funeral, which felt like a devastating admission that our marriage was over. Ultimately, these failures all happened at a very dark time in my life. My poor judgment and bad business associations caused innocent people to lose their money and be victimized by investing in poorly structured businesses or products that I influenced or controlled. For that, I am genuinely sorry, and I will work for the rest of my life to make it right.
4: It's just amazing to me that after pleading guilty for scamming thousands of people out of millions of dollars, Using her fraudulent telemarketing cons, Jen Shaw has the audacity to frame her sophisticated scams as, quote, poorly structured businesses or products that I influenced or controlled? Ah, if I was Judge Sidney Stein, I'd see that statement as an utter lack of recognition of her crime, pointing to a confounding absence of actual
5: remorse. Interestingly, it's not signed. It's typed up, but it's not signed.
4: Former prosecutor Emily D. Baker again commenting on the fact that the 30 other people who submitted letters to the court on behalf of Jen Shaw signed them, but Jen didn't sign hers. Whether the judge buys it or not is a
5: whole separate thing.
4: Speaking of separate things, prosecutors get really annoyed at how hard Jen Shaw and the 30 family members and friends she got to write letters on her behalf to the judge are trying to portray her as this pillar of the community who's never been in trouble with the law until now. Not so fast, they say. Jen Shaw actually has run
5: afoul of the law quite recently, as a matter of fact. And this all came out very quickly before sentencing, because Jen, her sentencing memo is, I've had a very hard life. I'm an upstanding, loving wife and mother. The bad crowd in New York, these criminals over here, not me, these criminals over there pulled me in and manipulated me. And it was a dark time in my life. It was basically like a gray hoodie YouTuber apology in this sentencing memo of woe. And I think some of it's true and some of it's spin. And that's all sentencing memos. It's advocacy for Jen to get sentenced less. And the government came out with this actually your honor though she's never been convicted of anything we have had these other instances with her including this restraining order and they said that the woman had reached out directly to them and said this was my interaction with jen shaw she drove from utah to nevada to come accost me at two o'clock in the morning at my front door and scream at me something about Jen having an affair with this woman's husband. We don't know if that is true or not, but the woman went and got a restraining order and apparently Jen has kind of spun this as this is all just lies and people piling on, but it was a very interesting story because the restraining order did exist. This woman spoke to TMZ and said, yes, this is what happened. She showed up banging down my door at two o'clock in the morning and, and she's not exactly what she's portraying herself to be. Jen's attorneys told TMZ, quote, we have proof that this woman is lying about this alleged affair. An email from this woman to Miss Shaw's husband dated four days after the restraining order in which she acknowledges that there was no affair. This scorned woman lied to prosecutors in an attempt to exact her own revenge against Jen Shaw. So that's what Jen's attorneys said about the entire thing. I mean, they also
4: said the entire case against Jen Shaw should be dismissed because of her blurry contacts while she was being read her Miranda rights or because of that Hulu documentary tainting the jury pool. They also said Jen Shaw is not the criminal here. It's those evil men in New York who roped her into scamming. But you heard some of those text messages she sent after she found out she was being investigated, right?
6: I'm so fucking pissed off. This slimy piece of shit of a customer recorded our sales pitch. And we sound like crooks. Now they have our sales recording.
4: Ultimately, Judge Stein sentences Jen Shaw to six and a half years in federal prison and orders her and her co-defendants to pay $6.7 million in restitution to the victims. Victims like 64-year-old Penny Puckett. She needed more who, as you heard in episode three, got scammed out of $30,000 through Jen Shaw's telemarketing scheme.
5: We probably will never be able to be retired. We'll have to work until
7: we can't work anymore.
4: What's truly noteworthy about Jen Shaw, and really about any con artist, is they do actually reveal who they are before they scam you, if you're paying close enough attention.
9: I would call her a narcissist with sociopathic features.
4: Beverly Hills forensic psychologist, Dr. Alice Berkowitz, who's never met Jen Shaw, but talks to the Jen Shaws of the world literally all day, every day.
9: I've worked a lot in criminal court and I've worked a lot with white collar crime. She's just so full of herself and believes that she's beyond reproach sociopathic features. Sociopathic features are antisocial personalities. They're the people that are going to be criminals. They're the people that are going to be politicians, I'm sorry to say. But she doesn't have any morals. She doesn't have a moral code and does not believe she can get caught. I think that that's her getting onto the housewives of Salt Lake City was her feeling like she was above everything, which is the narcissism. But the telemarketing scheme is so sociopathic. She had to know that was not right. She didn't care, she thought she was above it. And they're the worst people to deal with.
4: In an interview Jen Shaw gave to Access Hollywood's Housewives Nightcap before anyone knew she was a scammer, when asked to explain what she did for a living.
6: The best way to describe it is I'm the Wizard of Oz. I'm like the one behind the curtain that nobody knows exists, but I'm the one making everything happen
4: oh, I'm the Wizard of Oz. And she thinks that evokes a magical quality about her that people will be enamored by or impressed by, that she's magical. But if you've seen The Wizard of Oz, you know that by the end of the movie, he's a con artist. Right. Everything was a lie. Nothing he said or did was true. Smoke and mirrors, literally. So was Jen Shaw giving herself away unintentionally? Do con artists do that in your in your
9: experience? Sometimes. Yeah. But. You know, the Wizard of Oz also never got in trouble for being a con artist. Ooh. He got away with it. He
4: did, didn't he?
9: So I think for her, being the Wizard of Oz means I can get away with anything. I'll just make magic. But there are people that want to get caught. I don't think she's one of them, though. I think she really thought she'd get away with this.
4: And Jen Shaw didn't pull this massive telemarketing scam off by herself. She was working with dozens of other co-conspirators over the years, which makes me wonder, what did Coach, her husband, know? Much more than he let on. That's what Jen's former designer, Koa Johnson, believes.
11: I remember one time Stuart screwed up on some kind of transaction or lost like, like about $8 million. And Jen was very upset, and she came down to the office late at night with Coach, and they were both yelling and screaming at him, asking him where their money is. I'm just like, okay, like I don't understand why your husband's coming into the conversation of your business, I mean, unless your husband's a part of
4: this business. It sounds like Coach knew what was going on.
11: Absolutely. He's a very smart man. He's a lawyer. He was very involved in a lot of the group text messages that converse about the business that I was doing with her and the business that Stuart was doing. So, I mean, he knew a lot. And his wife was doing this crime for almost 10 years. Like, also realizing the benefits of her crime. He benefited from it. Her children benefited from it. So, I know... He knew
4: what she was doing, for sure. We don't know for a fact if Coach Shaw knew about Jen's crimes. But even if he did, Homeland Security Special Agent Ricky Patel says that doesn't necessarily make Coach guilty of a crime.
7: You know, just speaking about something, speaking about a business, doesn't necessarily mean that you're actively engaged in it, you're actively involved in it, or that you conducted any overt acts, right? That you actually were a participant
4: or a leader. On February 17th, 2023, Jen Shaw reported to federal prison in Bryan, Texas, about 100 miles east of Austin. It's July now, 2023, and none of Jen Shaw's victims have seen a single dime in restitution.
5: Restitution is very difficult. It's very difficult to get. Criminal courts are set up for... Punishment. They are set up for probation to prevent you from doing the crime things again, and they're set up for custody time. That's it. They are not well set up for victim restitution.
4: And I just think it's unnecessarily complicated. If I was in charge of the world, or at least the criminal justice system, and you issue a court order for restitution to a victim, that should automatically be attached to that perpetrator's social security number and name. So any money that comes in, comes to them from anywhere, automatically gets diverted to the victim.
5: I mean, there's a simple way to do this, but- Yeah, the IRS has figured that out. The IRS has a great way to attach people's property. (laughs) Exactly. The government could do it for themselves. If a victim gets court ordered restitution, it should be exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, it should be.
4: And in the prosecutors' minds, they got their convictions. They're happy. They've moved on. So this money that theoretically it, yeah, I'm just theorizing, Coach could be living on for the rest of his life, these millions of dollars she might have stashed in Kosovo
5: or government. Or wherever. Could be.
4: Yeah. And no one no one cares. No one's keeping tabs. They moved on to the next scammer.
5: Yeah. They've moved on to the next case.
4: Next time on Queen of the Con.
5: So, Elizabeth Holmes has asked to go to the same federal prison camp that Jen Shaw's at. This doesn't surprise me. Both of them have have argued similar things. I was caught up in this. I was trying to prove myself as a woman in this field. The men around me were manipulating me. I didn't know that this was fraudulent and a woman who literally sat across from Elizabeth Holmes
4: every day during her trial some of it will never leave my brain it's wanted has some really insightful takeaways
12: she named her daughter Invicta which means invincible or unconquered i mean it says it all
4: Portions of public statements from court records and from Jen Shaw's text messages were dramatized verbatim in this episode. Queen of the Khan, The Unreal Housewife, is a production of AYR Media and iHeartMedia, hosted by me, Jonathan Walton. Executive producers, Jonathan Walton for Jonathan Walton Productions, and Eliza Rosen for AYR Media, written by Jonathan Walton. Segment producer, Gregory Harvey. Senior associate producer, Jill Pasheznik, Coordinator, Milena Krolieski, Sound design by Tim Mulhern. Edited and mixed by Tim Mulhern. Supervising producer, Victoria Chang. Audio engineer, Justin Longerbeam. Studio engineer, Maximo Abraham. Mastered by Victoria Chang. Legal counsel for AYR Media, Gianni Douglas. Executive producer for iHeartMedia, Maya Howard. Voice acting by Courtney Hetrick, Milan Faxis. Jorge Farragut, Brian Clovis, and David Teitelbaum. If you're enjoying Queen of the Con, click that share button and send it to your friends and family. Also, if you can, leave us a five-star review. Reviews really help other listeners find us. Court records, police records, the Department of Justice, Homeland Security, victim interviews, interviews with investigators, ABC News, Time Magazine, Us Weekly, TMZ, People, Access Hollywood, and Bravo's Real Housewives of Salt Lake City were the sources used for this season of Queen of the Con.
0: Right Rug Flooring.